Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1487 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off in your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. In today's show, myself and Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops at ATL29, continuing our player capsule series. Glenn's been kind enough to give me a bunch of time in the last couple of weeks talking about the entire Hawks roster. And today's episode is going to focus on DeAndre Hunter. Lots to uh, dig into there with the soon-to-be fifth year forward of the Atlanta Hawks. But before we get to that, some plugs. As I said before, Glenn and I have talking a lot recently. Talked about Kongwu on Monday and AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bey, Michael McDonavich, etc. All on this feed in the last few weeks. I talked to Ben Pfeiffer last week in three-part form on the NBA draft. We have much more draft content coming in the next couple of weeks. In fact, that a mailbag podcast that dropped on Monday night into Tuesday that had some drafts content in there as well. So we are ramping up about two weeks to go until the draft. So plenty more content available. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast as well to make us your first listen each and every day and check us out. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and we're also on YouTube for the folks that want to watch on the video side. Without any further delay, I will uh, get to the intro here, and when I come back, I'll do myself and Glenn Willis on DeAndre Hunter. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm joined again by my friend Glenn Willis to continue our player capsule series. Glenn, how are you on this fine Sunday afternoon? Oh, I guess it's like lunchtime where you are. Yeah, good. I actually have something in this room besides my desk and my <laughs> chair. <laughs> so that's, that's good. Uh, the move the move in is the unpacking is coming along. And uh, I, I, it's like when I watched game one of the finals, I was like, when is this next game? I, a good break would be good. So the, the timing of uh, kind of game two, I know where this is going to come out probably a good, good bit past that, but the, the timing's been good. Yeah, uh, I try to give you a break. Uh, we took a break. I did some draft stuff with Ben Pfeiffer. We have uh, you know other stuff going on in the podcast because it is draft season two, but uh, people are enjoying the player castle. So we'll uh, continue it rolling today. And honestly, this might be the most difficult one in some ways. I don't know how you feel about this. Um, I, I know you did some prep. I saw some tweets from you and stuff like that. I, um, in general, maybe have the, I'm not sure it's dread. It's just, there's a lot of nuance and uh, Hunter is a very interesting player right now because of what he has proven, what he hasn't proven, where the discourse is on him, all of these things. Uh, I find him polarizing and interesting. What about you? Yeah, I think dread is, if it's not the right word, it's pretty close. You know, <laughs> when, when I sat down to prep, I was like, do we really have to do that? And not so much because of him. I mean, I, I like aspects of his game. I We're going to dig into his stuff, but it's more of kind of just the reaction from the fan base and and stuff. And and it's it's this is the one I feel like no one's going to be happy with anything we say. It's either going to like not be strong enough or be way too strong. And it, it, like, it'll be like 90% of people will be like, oh, you guys were soft on him. You guys went easy on him. 10% might be like, uh, no, 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 we really like him, and you guys were too hard, hard on him. And it's like, is there one listener that actually liked what we said? I think I think this is the one where it's going to be kind of tough to meet expectations. Yeah, it is, and that's okay, I and mean, that's part of yeah. my job is, you know, you got to say what you think. And, um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny, and we won't do the whole four years that he's been here by any means, but – it's kind of in the same sense he, since he was drafted. Uh, there's there's always been these really strong opinions on him, pro or con. I mean, 
even as far back as the draft. I got yelled at a lot for not liking the trade, not, not necessarily the pick, but the trade for him. And then like there was the whole baby Kawhi era where fans were convinced he was going to be this all-star guy. And now it's to sort of your point there, it's gone the other way. I think that not all, but most fans, it seems like have turned on him to some level and they're not super happy with DeAndre at this point. And I get it. I mean, he's, he hasn't had this breakout. He's not been this established player. And I honestly think that I'm probably lower on him than you are. Um, Maybe I'll be wrong at the end of this conversation. That's my, that's my feeling right now. Um, And it's, it's, but at the same time, you and I, I think, are both prone to this. Like, we're going to see some more nuanced things that people don't want to focus. And it's, it's fine. It's, it doesn't mean that he's this great player. Um, but I, a lot of the discourse is basically he's terrible <laughs> at this point, which is not necessarily where I think I am. And I, I don't think that's where you are either. So I want to leave with that. Uh, you know, the metrics actually paint this, a similar picture, like the more advanced stuff, which you can come down to your side. And I thought it was interesting. EPM is one that I like. That has him actually has a pretty solid player. They, they, they kind of like DeAndre Hunter, that that metric. Um, 538's Raptor is much lower on him. And then some of the different ones like DPM, which is Darko or LeBron, some of the more advanced ones really, really, really do not like DeAndre Hunter. And that isn't a surprise, especially, I'm, I'm sure you remember this too, going back to even again, when he was a prospect, Hunter's never rated well in the advanced metrics. Even the advanced draft metrics did not like him. And it's, I can tell you why it's because of the lack of rebounds and steals and blocks. And he doesn't create plays a lot. And that's maybe some of that. Um, and then there's a divide on his defense too. So uh, I'm going to give you dealer's choice here. Do you want to start with his defense or his offense? Why don't we get the offense out of the way? Okay. Uh, that's what we'll do. Uh, so uh, there's some positives here. Uh, he was the third leading scorer on the team this year. He actually up 15 points a game. Uh, he was fairly productive, although he was also third in field goal attempts which is part of the reason why he was third in scoring. That's part of the deal there. And uh, efficiency-wise, it's basically been the same as it's been his whole career, on the whole. Like true shooting, his efficiency numbers, just for example, he's a career 55% true shooting. That's not very good. It's not terrible, not very good. This year, 56%. The previous year, 55%. It's kind of always been there. For a three-point range, 35% this year. He's a career 35.6% three-point shooter. Uh, three-point attempts is basically the exact same this year, about six and a half per 100 possessions as it was in his career. Like, it's on 20% usage in three straight seasons. It's He's kind of just been the same guy in the, in this particular avenue. And you know, we can get into kind of, kind of where he's shooting from and strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. But, like, it's kind of what you want to see. It's eye of the beholder in some respects. Because if you just look – in fact, I know you had this reaction with people – nationally it happens every year on the playoffs where people that don't watch the Hawks seem to be higher on DeAndre Hunter. And I think it's because he's a points per game, number one, and because he was a top five pick and he looks the part. Um, and then you watch him every night and you, at least I'm left a little bit cold uh, on offense in particular. So uh, I set the stage there, I guess, but what, what do you make of his offense and we'll kind of go where we want to go here. Yeah. So I think the thing for me is I was doing prep and I guess it's a bit of a surprise me. I didn't, land on this until today like fully land on this today i think it's time for us to say he is what he is right you after year one year mm-hmm. two year three i think i think some people including me in some ways were making a case for you know he's missed time you know hasn't had a you know a, as many minutes and repetitions and all this sort of stuff but i think after year four it's time to say i mean that, that's not to say you can't improve in some areas but there, I, I think it's most realistic to say we shouldn't expect a leap in any area, right? So I think yep. we should kind of base our expectations going forward to be in alignment, 
mostly with kind of what he's done, especially in year three and year four. Um, the thing for me is that, um, yeah, I think he's better in some areas than most Hawks fans might think. You know, I posted kind of the – he had the uh, best uh, PNR efficiency on shots created for shots created for himself in PNR of anyone on the team. Now, his volume is way below Trey's. And Trey's we – talked, we've talked about this. Trey was way down uh, efficiency-wise overall because of major spacing issues, right? They went from second in spot-up efficiency to 29th. And that impacted Trey absolutely a ton. Um, and he's pretty good in isolation. Uh, but being pretty good in isolation is still generally giving you, you know, 0 0.98, 0 0.99, right? Somewhere in their points per possession, which is not what you can build a, you know, top five offense around. But, you know, so much of it kind of comes down to context and kind of what role you see for him. And for me, like, if he's on the weak side, the ball rotates to him he can attack a defender one-on-one. -on -one. He's, he's pretty good at that, right? Attacking a defender one-on-one. -on -one. Now, if this defender can steer him towards traffic, that's where the turnovers start to pop up, you know, mm -hmm. and things like that. But in terms of if you give him space and an average or slightly below average defender, something like that, I mean, he's really good in the mid-range. He's good, you know, pulling up in the mid-range, but still being good in those phases are not in alignment with where modern offenses are trying to generate you know, their kind of volume of scoring opportunities. And so he's, oh, what, 25 years too late, maybe a little bit, like 25 <laughs> years ago, he would have been an all-star, you know, and, yeah. uh, and teams would have like really invested in him. Um, and for me, it's like, so the, there are some things he does surprisingly well. He's better in pick and roll than some people think. That's where his best passing comes in my mind is in the pick and roll because it's repetition based and not as much read base. When he sees a pick and roll, he's generally not seeing a lot of complex coverage. This is pretty kind of straight up, you know, coverage he's seeing. And then working his defender one-on-one -on -one is pretty good as well. So can't be your first or second creator. Really can't be that in the playoffs. His mm -hmm. numbers in areas where he's good in the regular season tend to crater in the playoffs as well, where the defense has much more opportunity to game plan for him. And so I think the greatest issue is that he can give you some good – productivity in some areas across the regular season, it doesn't really work. It hasn't so far really worked at all in the playoffs. And that's, that's where I think most of the negative reaction comes from. And I understand it. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been trying to find tickets for a big event at the last minute, it could be really stressful, probably the best idea for your wallets or your emotions. And after all, buying tickets should not be really a, the big hassle that is part of your life that it sometimes can be. With Game Time, it's never that hassle. In fact, you have the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater. They have killer deals, last minute tickets, and the best price guarantee. Plus, you can avoid stress, start getting actually hyped for the events that you'll be actually attending in the near future. It is now summertime here in Atlanta. So, tons of stuff going on around me, I'm sure. It's the same around you, wherever you may be. With Game Time, they can always find amazing deals. Plus, you can also see the images of where your seats are going to be when you buy them at game time. And they have protection if your event happens to be canceled. Forget months of planning in advance. There are tickets uh, up to the minute of the day and deals on them as well at game time. Game time guarantee also means you get the best, best possible price. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, give them will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy in tickets just a matter of seconds and it'll be delivered directly to your phone fast and easy. Download the Game Time app right now. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use that promo code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm glad you framed that way. I mean, I, I threw out the efficiency numbers, but the he is what he is framing. And you know, 
again, you said it, I'll say it too. It doesn't mean it's impossible for him to improve. No one's saying that. Um, but one of the things people were holding out hope on, I think, going into his year his year four was that he hadn't had a full season. Like he had some injury concerns. And um, this year he had career highs in games played and minutes. That's good that he was more durable. Like there is value in being a guy who is six, eight and does some things for you and is on the court for you more often than not, that there is valuable, just there's value inherent in that, but it also showed you a bigger sample size of what you kind of had before. And um, on one hand, I would recommend to Hawks fans not viewing him as a top five pick. That's there's, there's some, there's always some stickiness to that. Um, and I think that that, that is over. Uh, no, he's, he's on a second contract, so none of that stuff matters anymore. But, you know, upside-wise, like, I think I'm with you on the is-what-it-is kind of framing. And, yeah, I think the pick-and-roll stuff you're talking about is a good um, indicator because, you know, he can score. Like, we've seen that. You, you, you can't just fake 15 points a game in the NBA. Now, it's more nuanced than that. But the fact that he's able to do that on, you know, almost league average efficiency, that's not – it's not bad. But – when you throw in the weaknesses that he has um, in the team context, which we'll get to here, um, it's not terribly inspiring. And like a couple more examples of like, you know, numbers I pulled here, like uh, he had career low rim frequency and he's not, he's not good at the rim either. Cleaning the glass has him like in the bottom quartile of the league in rim finishing for a guy who's six, eight, two twenty, and a pretty good athlete. He should not be this bad at the rim, but he has been for four years. It's not like you can't you can't just assume it's going to fix itself. Maybe it will. Um, on the other hand, he actually was an excellent mid range shooter this year. As much as we make fun of that, at least I do. Him him having the tendency to fall in love with that nineteen foot pull up that he's been taking since since he was in college. He's actually been pretty good at that shot. But pretty good at that shot. To your point earlier, is not fantastic offense. It's better than some guys would be at taking that shot. But you still don't want him to take a bunch of those shots. He doesn't get to the line very often. Uh, he doesn't turn he doesn't turn the ball over a ton, but you don't want him to dribble. I mean, that's I mean, we'll, we we'll, we talked around that several times, but let's just say his ball handling and decision making and processing are below average. That, that's probably a kind way to put it. I think that's actually worse than that from from the guy who has the ball in his hands a decent amount. So, I mean, there's stuff we can hit on here, but I'll throw it to you after I ask this question. What is his act? What is the best role he could be put in? Because I think I've said this before, and it's probably a little bit too simplistic, but I've always wondered what it would look like if he had even less usage and just like really, really bought into being a, a three and D guy. And that's very, that's a very broad term. And I don't, I don't mean that just, just only do that. But I do think that maybe the best way forward for the Hawks and for DeAndre to maximize himself is to almost have him be more of a three point shooter. He's not great at it, but he's okay at it. And if he just hunts that more and does a little bit of less, a little bit of other stuff less, maybe that papers over some of his weaknesses with, as a ball handler, as a processor. Because the big knock on him, and it's still the big knock on him in my mind on both ends of the floor, but especially on offense, is that he he does not see the game three steps ahead. He doesn't have that preternatural feel. Um, and I, I wonder if he's placed in even a smaller role. I'm not even sure, like, if you throw, throw guys out there if you want to say, it doesn't have to be like a zero usage role, but am I crazy? Does it seem like he probably should have even less usage than he has now? I, I think that if the team is going to achieve kind of their one of their better outcomes, I think that's whether it's going to be intentional or organic, that's going to be the result, right? Yeah. And so for me, I think, I think there's several things. You touched on one of them is that I think we have to kind of come to grips with 
he is who he is. And one of like you watch him play with his size and strength, and you just feel like he's leaving so much on the table. Like he could be he's he's generally so much bigger than the guy in front of him. He has the strength to fight to the rim, and you'll see him become aggressive, assertive, kind of now and then, like like maybe someone got in his ear and said, you really have got to get in there. But his instinct is to pull up from 13 feet or 18 feet or, you know, or whatever, you know, and that's kind of just who he is. And so you watch him play, and that's the frustrating part is it seems like if he had a different brain, you know, or a different instinct that he would be kind of really, you know, forcing himself. But this is, if I could take a very quick aside, this is where, and I'll remind people, my educational background is in psychology, so I'm a little bit um, oriented towards this. <laughs> but people have to stop expecting him to be a different person than he yeah. is. He's just never going to be that kind of super, I'm not saying he's not a competitor. I believe he's a competitor. He is. I think yeah. the way, it, I, just, I just think the way it looks is that, you think he has all this size and strength and he has this like real NBA body. That's pretty exceptional. And he tends to um, kind of gravitates towards a little bit more kind of the finesse, you know, kind of aspect of the game or the um, uh, just a lot of repetition, the pull up a lot of, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff. It's kind to me, it's kind of like, and I am going to get back to answer your question. It's, it's okay. kind of like watching Deandre Ayton play, right? Deandre Ayton has this incredible yeah. body. He wants that little, turn around from nine feet. He doesn't want to go fight to the rim and, and try to use that body. And so in my offensively, I well, I see so many parallels between the two of them. Now, now Aiton is uh, capable. I, I think in a year or two, Aiton could be capable of being the guy in a pretty good NBA offense that you build the whole thing around, right? A, a center who can do what he do the, does is different. It's just stylistically, I see kind of parallels there. And so, but once again, I think there's a, a few things like let's, let's stop – hoping for a leap in the area of passing and creating for others. But stop hoping for a leap in the area of ball handling, right? Um, can he just uh, tighten it up a little bit? Hopefully, right? But those are and, – and, and the last thing is we got to stop hoping he becomes a different person than he is, right? Because you know, players bring their their biology and their personality into, you know, what who they are on the court. So for me, like his spot-up numbers this last year – we're pretty bad, right? But to me, he looks like a guy who prefers to pull up like way more than catch and shoot. And he looks like a guy who works on his pull-up game a ton and doesn't work so much in his catch and shoot. If we contrast him instead of Aiton on the other example, if we contrast him, for example, to Sadiq Bay, you could tell Sadiq Bay works like crazy on moving, getting to the exact pass, creating the exact passing pocket for his guard, etc., and works a ton on being ready to catch and shoot. Hunter's catch and shoot. It's, I feel like when he puts up a shot, of like it might go in or it might miss everything. You know, he looks way more natural and comfortable in his pull-up game. And so I think for me, I feel like the development plan he's had in mind along the way is I want to jab and attack my the guy in front of me. I want to get to my pull-up. I want to get to 15 feet. I want to kind of use my height and my length and my high release point as opposed to being a guy who's going to play off of a, a you know, a you know, a great point guard like Trey. And for me, it's like getting him to kind of fit into the natural order of things with what this offense should be. It is kind of coming down the pecking order. It is probably sooner than later elevating AJ, elevating Jalen, right, yeah. in the offense ahead of him. But he is great in space one-on-one. It's great is probably too strong of a war. He's better than most people think yeah. in space one-on-one. And that's the role for him is rotate to him on the weak side, and after the defense has tilted towards the strong side, give him that one-on-one opportunity 
and he's pretty darn good in that area. It's almost more of simplifying the kind of opportunities he gets and stop trying to kind of make him this secondary creator that he's probably and maybe almost surely never going to be. Yeah, I think I said this before, even on this show, maybe even with you, like I've thought the last couple of years, the Hawks would have been better served in the moment with him as, you know, not as not a specialist, but more that way. And I think that there was at least an argument for, okay, you don't want to close off this avenue down the, down the line of this guy you've invested so much in where he might be able to do more for you down the line. And I think what we're talking around and maybe talking through is like, it might be time to kind of, okay, now we kind of know more about what he is. And if we're going to, and we'll get, we'll get to the defense in a second. Defense is, is his more important side of the floor in a lot of ways. Um, if they still like what he can do defensively and all that stuff, maybe you just want to have him be more in that low usage, maybe with Quinn especially, encourage him to take more threes. Hey, DeAndre, we want you to take 10 threes per 400 possessions or whatever it's going to be. He's not going to be a Malik Beasley total bomber, I don't think, ever. But I do think that if you're Quinn and what he's been pushing and what you know Trey's talked about it, like everyone agrees Quinn wants him to take threes. And I think that... That's only one thing, and I want to be clear, it's not the only change you're making, but I do think that it might be interesting to see if Quinn's like, okay, DeAndre, we, we really want you to just primarily be a spot-up three-point shooter for us. And then, yeah, obviously, if it's a someone closes that on you, you can you can up fake and take two dribbles and make a decision. That's an easier pathway than having him like having to like really be the number two or three creator on the court sometimes. Um, so We'll see, but I I do think that it's um it's been four years, and it doesn't mean you can't do certain things with him. Um, the only maybe not the only one of the one of the saving graces, if you are in the in my in my uh, experience dwindling number of optimists on DeAndre's offense in Hawks fandom, maybe it's Quinn. Maybe maybe the hope would be that Quinn unlocks something there. Um, for him that I don't necessarily see happening. And again, maybe it is just being more in a small role, but uh, that's about the only thing I got because he just had the full healthy season. It's year four and not to overcook the age thing, but DeAndre was already an older prospect. So year four of DeAndre Hunter, he's gonna be 26 soon. And that's not old, but usually guys are not making big leaps at 26. Um, Sometimes they do, but it's not usually what happens. Yeah, and, and for me, is I mean, there are guys that are kind of in his tier. You think of him as your either 3B or 4A option in, most, in your best lineups. Maybe if he's playing with a second unit, he gets elevated to a, a 3A option, maybe a 2B in some, some really you know, tough offensive lineups. But he's the kind of guy that, like, matchup-based, you might swing more volume to him. If, if like, if there's a, if the other team has a hard time putting a guy who can kind of deal with, you know, what he can do, then maybe you do swing more to him in those situations, but that's maybe I don't know. I'm guessing here, like 15 games a year. You know, we, so, you know we, we, we've like also that. seen like you remember that play. I'm, I'm sure that if there is a hunter optimist out there, they're they're yelling about that Miami playoff game. You remember when he had the 35 point playoff game? Yeah. And it was it was mostly that he he just made all his jump shots. If you watch right. that game back, he just he got hot from and that's fine. And he's capable of having a 15 point court. We saw it this year. He had a bunch of 15 point 20 point halves when he's making jump shots. But it, it's usually that. It's not like him taking over in different ways. It's more like, hey, I just made five straight jumpers. It's kind of that's – and that's fine. There's, there's Again, there is – I try to say that. There's value to that. He can do that for you, but you can't rely on him doing that for you. Um, and right. to your matchup point, like, if yeah, if, if you have a situation where you're playing a team that is trying to hide someone on him, he could beat that guy one-on-one. 
and score for you. Yep. But that is not that's not a plan. That, that's a, maybe that night it's a plan. Maybe in a playoff series to play somebody off the court, it becomes a plan to have I don't know Tyler Hero on him or something, some small guy who they're trying to hide on him, and he's just right. too, he's just too big and too physical to shoot over that guy. But like that's not going to be part of your main attack. I don't think. Yeah, and the other, and the other part too, it's kind of funny. I want to mention this before I get to this last part. Um, because I post so much kind of technical content, I hear now and then from people in the league or used to be in the league. Not not a, I don't act like there's a hundred people or whatever, but. The one player <laughs> I hear the most about from play, people inside the league that people don't realize how good he is is Hunter. And and so for me, I, th- I take a step back. and I, not, Now, I'm not talking yeah. about people who write. I'm not talking about kind of analysts who get paid to kind of provide analysis for outlets and things like that. Um, you know, we think about, you know, John Hollander kind of hammering him all the time, right, and, and things like that. I'm talking about coaches that are, you know, in the league, and I mean in the broader sense, right? Or sure. uh, there's a few there's a few I hear from that were had have a really prominent, and they will they will say like people just don't understand how important, and they use the word important more than good, how important uh-huh. DeAndre Hunter is, right? But I think this speaks to the fact that I think I still think people inside the league don't value stats analytics enough, right? I, I think it's yeah. All, right? I I'll back you up too, like. At some point, I was on my notes to say this out loud that people in the league still value DeAndre Hunter, and a lot. I, I get pushback sometimes when I, you know, I did this mailbag show where I I said candidly that in my mind the Hawks have no bad contracts. Now there are some, namely I think mostly two, it's Collins and Hunter, that have their detractors, and I'm not saying otherwise. Play people view those contracts as negative, but I, the Hawks don't have any bad contracts in my opinion because. They could move DeAndre Hunter in one second. There are Absolutely. multiple teams that would that would like to have DeAndre Hunter on that number. Does that does that make the, does that make them right? I'm not saying that, but he is valuable. And maybe it's maybe it's still the theory more than the practice. That's maybe some of this too. Um, and I'll go back to you. But like, it is the important word is a good one too because like it's the same argument I made about the Hawks as well in the last couple of years. And I think maybe people have thought that it's me like puffing up DeAndre where it's more like, look at what else they have. And that comes on defense, which we'll talk about in a second, even more as sort of bridge to that. But like uh, he has been important to them. They have used him in important ways when they, they've had to rely on him. And part of that is not on him. It's, it's roster construction. But if you look at what they've had and what they've built and why they invested so much in him in the first place, which is the whole theory of building around Trey was that they wanted to have the next draft. They took these two, six eight defensive minded wings it wasn't a coincidence so uh it's just interesting to me like i will uh wholeheartedly agree with you there are people in the league that still really do like value his archetype maybe more than him but certainly just him too yeah and the last thing i'll, I'll make on offense is that that really matters in the hawks context is a couple things really two things that really for me help me frame what the role should be one is you need guys that can be good enough when the ball is forced out of trade's hands Hunter's not that. Hunter can't be that guy, right? Just we just need to write that off, right? He can't be the the oh when when they trap or blitz tray, the ball gets moved, it gets to Hunter. His reads aren't good enough. His processing isn't good enough. His passing isn't good enough. His ball handling's not good enough. So we do the in my mind write that off. However, yeah. one really uh, undernoticed part of his game is when he and this used under Nate. It mainly happened when he was playing at the four, but when he is the screener and kind of floats to the three-point line or kind of steps in the, towards the nail to 
kind of look for his shot. He's really good in that area. He's fluid. He gets in and out. He's decisive without the ball. <laughs> he's decisive. <laughs> <laughs> his reads are good. And a lot of that is double drag where he's the first screener or it's a guard and then him, depending on how you're going. And so I do wonder if Quinn is going to get him more involved in being the screener in the pick and roll and having him be that kind of uh, screen and pop in the way that Gallo did while he was with Atlanta, right? He's never going to be the shooter Gallo was. But when you watch him play in that role, and again, that's off ball, that's usage that is dependent upon what the defense does against the ball handler in the pick and roll. But that's another area where I think it's attack space, attack his guy one-on-one, and then use him more as a screener and have him execute his reads, which are really good in that space. And, you know, it's been hard to do that when you have Clint, one of the best finishers in the league in the pick and roll, one of the fastest guys from the screen to the rim of the pick and roll, and then JC. But when you need more of that pop threat, you know, he's one of the better the better options in that. And he's really good and fluid, and his footwork is great and stuff like that. So another way, I think, to kind of shift him towards a role makeup that elevates his offensive value is to make him the screener and make him sort of the pick-and-pop guy when defenses are looking to kind of sag or be really aggressive on trade. Yeah, and honestly, that's a good bridge, too, to the defense because there are people that I trust in the league that have watched enough where they've kind of always thought Hunter was a four, especially on offense. And I think that is kind of – it's not exactly what you're saying, but it's it's kind of – that probably is his best role as this, like, pick-and-pop, floor-spacing power forward on offense. Yeah. The trouble with that is defensively, there are some questions there. And like, obviously he's been better defensively and offensively in his career. A lot of the time, um, the rebounding is, I, I have always banged the drum that like the theory of Hunter playing the four full time ignores rebounding where he's been one of the worst rebounding wings in the league, much less fours. He might be the worst rebounding four in the league. If you were to play there full time, he's that bad. At least he has been that bad in his career. He was better this year. Um, so it comes down a little bit as well to his role on defense as it did on his offense, because look, uh, I'll just throw some numbers at you again. Uh, he actually had career worst block and steal rates this year, which is hard. They were already pretty low and they actually got worse this year. He did improve defensively on the glass, but he was only better than the following guys in the rotation, Trey bogey and AJ worse than everybody else in the glass. Um, but, you know, the numbers, generally speaking, were better with him on the court defensively. Um, I thought th- th- this trio was uh, um, sort of a mark in his favor defensively. When he was on the floor, opponent rim frequency went down, which is a good thing. You don't want people to get to the rim, right? Opponent corner three frequency also went down. Another good thing. You don't want a lot of corner threes. And opponent mid-range frequency went up. You generally want that to go up. So that's good. Uh, and, you know, I've argued this. He he has been their best perimeter defender for a couple of years. Now, that's kind of painting, uh, you know, it's kind of a low bar to clear in some ways. Um, and I think maybe the nuance is like, okay, even if you accept that, what does that actually mean? And does he actually change things on, on defense? Because, look, and I get these stats sent to me all the time from people that are around the league, like, Hey, this makes DeAndre Hunter look bad on defense. Like, is this true? Basically, is a question I get a lot. And it's like, well, I think he's better than the metrics think he is defensively. He is not a great defensive player. You know what I mean? Um, there is a bit of nuance there. And I, I want you to talk about at some point, you don't have to do it now, about his improvements as a supporting, like, you know, weak side guy. As I know you talked about on my on the show before. Um, right. but also he was part of the problem sometimes with 
the point of attack defense, which was, I've argued that their biggest issue all year long on the whole roster this year was that they could not contain anyone as a ball handler. So like I, I said a lot of things there, but like, where is his defense at? Because as much as the offense is like kind of, he, he is what he is. Is that the case on defense? And it, is that player like, is he, is he a good defender? Is he a, just a okay defender? Is he pretty good? Like I have a hard time, honestly, like night to night, I have a hard time with the honor defense. Yeah. It's, and it's funny because what, so when you hear coaches and maybe play a coach, put guys like that, we'll talk about him being important. When you hear players talk about his defense, they talk about him like he's a real problem, right? Yeah. And, and you'll hear that. You may have to go look for it on Twitter and, you know, be good with advanced Twitter no, it's, it's there. Like that. It's out it's there. there. Yeah. Uh, not, 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 they don't talk about him like he's a, a Draymond Green or anything like that. <laughs> but, but, but they're like, you know, why does no one ever talk about DeAndre Hunter being one of the better defenders in the league, right? So, but for me, his journey has been interesting because in year one or two, roughly, like you talk about a guy who would like fall asleep and get lost off the ball. Like he was pretty bad about that. Right. Yeah. Now I don't want to get into this whole aside around how LP was developing him in the Robert Covington Sixers role, where basically he would take the best wing and top him all the time and not let that person kind of come get the ball, which set him up for, you know, back cuts and all that sort of, it, it was a, it was a pretty specific, the engineered type of way for him to play defense. And I, and I think that was part of him maybe being a little overwhelmed with like this really, I mean, you think about the way he played at Virginia, you know, it, totally, totally different. different, right? Yeah. Now to me, he's one of the best like help defenders. We, you mentioned earlier, weak side defenders, like hit him coming down in the paint and converting from like a wing to a big and actually bodying a big say that Anyekis had to get way up the floor and help or switch or something like that. He's pretty exceptional at that. I mean, he is really good. He's really good at recognizing it. He's really good at communicating it, getting there. A lot of times when a smaller guy gets stuck on a big, he's the one, in, along with JC, that will come in and, you know, push that guy outside a little bit like you'll see, you'll see Draymond do all the time, right? So stuff like that. And to me, that's his best – area play right now that's why the opponent you know rim volume is lower when he's on the floor it's because he's mm -hmm. probably their bet well he's for sure their best wing that could come down and then kind of play like a big in rotation and help kind of scenarios he's also probably their guy who has the most natural raw skill set to close out uh, he has the length he has the his change of directions not exceptional but good enough and he just he he kind of goes back to the way he was coached in Virginia. He's been really coached up on that in the forward like effort really matters. Recognition really matters. Communication really matters. All that sort of stuff. And he's he's good in that sense as well. His technique closing out without fouling is fantastic. Like and and you know but the, if you so those are the areas where I think he's good. The question I think Hawks fans have is he was supposed to be the guy who can be the primary point of attack defender. And I don't think on a really good defensive team, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's ever going to yeah. do that. Now, for me, wh where I have to kind of break that down a little bit is earlier in his career, they are trying to have him defend point guards. I think that's not the right role for him. Um, and I, I think the knee injuries have kind of been a little much. But also it's just his size. It's hard to take a guy his size and ask him to defend, say, a Dame Lillard or a Kyrie Irving or someone like that again, going through a ball screen. 
versus we saw him like have to defend Tatum in the playoffs. And he did a really good job against Tatum in that Boston series, right? But Tatum, it's a screen in one direction, a pull up downhill, kind of fairly for a wing. It's, it tends to be more simplified stuff. Um, where you know, against like a Dame or say a Kyrie or a fast guard, like you can't just take the angle because if you just get the right angle, they're still going to have the speed and crap to dribble around you, right? Against yeah. a wing, that's less likely to happen. So his angles are really, really good. His screen navigation and preparation is really, really good, but he's still too big and not quite laterally mobile enough to take the best like point guards out there. And so I wrote down. You know, when I, I was like, where do Orlando's defense? I wrote, not good enough to prop up <laughs> a bad defensive lineup. Yeah. Good enough to help elevate good defensive lineups. And so I don't think you can take a team that's uh, roster design is like, we're going to be 18th to 23rd in defense. Have him be the best point of attack defender in your lineup. He's not going to like move you up to like 12. He's, he's not really going to move you up maybe more than, say, maybe three spots or something like that, right? Yeah. And so for me, you, you have to kind of build this roster with him being like, okay, yeah, the wings, you know, Tatum, other guys like that, yeah, that's good enough, right, for that. It's not going to be like a top five defense, a top maybe not probably not even a top ten defense, but he's going to be competent in that scenario. But, man, DeJounte the, the, the Murray is not going to be better defending guards than he was this last year, and you, you're building around yeah. Trey and DeJounte, where does that come from? Because it's not Hunter. And so no. that's to me is less about Hunter. It's more about roster construction. But I think an important part is is agreeing this is what he is, this is what he's not. Kind of like we did an offense, this is what he is, this is what he's not. He's got a couple areas where he's really good, but we've got to let go of some ideas we had about what he might be able to be, I think, when he was younger. We, t- we totally agree. And I think that he was billed and, you know, this was his profile as a guy who was much better on ball than off, which is not necessarily what you would want um, in a vacuum. Um, maybe you would if you just need that guy. But I think that he's gotten better off the ball and he's not the guy on the ball that people thought that he was probably going to be at some point. And I agree with you, like against bigger wings, he's fine. He's not he's not, he's not a game changer. He's more of a piece. And yeah, maybe there's a discussion to be had about like, you know, you they give up. They give up a lot for DeAndre Hunter, and this player that we're describing isn't worth what they give up for him. And I think that's that's okay. Put that to the side. It doesn't matter anymore. To be honest, it's a good debate topic. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I was tempted to throw out Dejounte too. I'm trying to save his, his stuff for later on because right. you know they they acquired Dejounte to be the guard defender, and he did not fill that role very well this year, which is not DeAndre Hunter's fault. I'm glad you put that. Uh, the way that you put it was, you know, it's a it's a roster construction thing. You have to be realistic about what you're expecting from DeAndre Hunter. If you expect him to be this game wrecker defender, who's this elite guy, he's not, he's not, he's just not. And yeah, I think in a vacuum, they were hoping he might be that guy. When you trade up a lot and draft a guy at number four overall, you're hoping that guy's going to be maybe an all defense level player. And he's not, he's not, but he has gotten better in some ways. uh, Most of them supporting ways. Um, and there's still value in that. Um, but, you know, taking us two steps back about the whole roster construction, uh, we agree that the current roster does not have really a path to being good defensively. Uh, they have a path to being better than they were this year, I would say. And I think you agree with that. There's per- yeah. They can play better than they did this year. But this is not a roster that's, that's capable of being a top 10 defense, I don't, I don't think, as constructed at the moment. 
uh, they were going to change some stuff, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, if, if, if this is a different world and DeAndre Hunter was a, was, you know, throw out your best defender, Mikhail Bridges or somebody like that. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good defender, a great defender right now. He's not that guy. So um, when it comes to role, like, yeah, maybe he needs to play a little bit more at the four, but then you have the rebounding concerns, which are, I've been talking about them forever. It's very similar. And I, I think it was Tyler, somebody that I follow was, was, was making the Torian Prince, DeAndre Hunter comparison. And in this in this specific way, I will agree with it only because there was always this drumbeat about Torian Prince should play the four, but he was a terrible rebounder, just like DeAndre. <laughs> and now I will say this: DeAndre Hunter is a better defender than Torian Prince. Important to note: Torian Prince is a better shooter than DeAndre Hunter, probably. But uh, anyway, uh, I, it's just I think that one of the questions that I have, big picture, it includes DeAndre, is what is the plan? Are they do they want to see what Quinn does on a number of levels, including with the point of attack defense, or is it going to be more roster changes or are they going to wait a year or what? Because at the moment they're committed for four years to DeAndre Hunter at a starter level price. It's not a crazy, crazy, crazy price in the modern mm-hmm. NBA, but it's a starting level salary that he's being paid. Um, they're obviously committed to, Deon- to, to DeJounte. They're committed to Trey um, Hunter. I mean, uh, Collins, we'll see. Uh, but like looking forward to this year at the end of this conversation, let's just say they don't make sweeping changes. What can they do? Like, it's not necessarily about Hunter. Maybe it kind of is. Is it just a situation where you need DeJounte to be better on guards? Like you said before, and you just, you know, if you're playing against Boston one night, you know, Hunter's going to have to be the guy on Tatum. Um, he's got to be the guy on KD and that's just kind of going to be what it is. Is that going to be what it is? Or, is there something they should be doing differently with him? Like deployment wise for DeAndre Hunter? Like, is it just like, okay, you're the number one guy on wings and hopefully we have some better help around you and you need to be better too. Cause I think that he can also be better than he was, than he was in this, in certain areas. But is that the plan as far as like right now with this roster? If it is, it's not good enough in my mind. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, so I, you and I, agree. You and I talked, if you and I talked, I think right around the end of the see their, their season, we talked a little about looking for, and I said I think the number one need is a third guard who can really defend. Yeah, and and it's okay if you close sometimes with that person instead of Dejounte, unless Dejounte gets back to being more committed, more capable, kind of defending on ball, you know, and things like. And, and I like the I, I like things some things Dejounte brings, but the fit issues you have to be careful with it, right? It's 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 a, it's a narrow path in terms of the fit. So yeah. a third guard, you know, and people kind of ask me, like, I mean, he's probably too good for this, but, like, can you identify the next Marcus Smart, right? Can you identify the next Derek White? Can you identify, you know, those those other uh, other guards that are kind of in that D'Anthony Melton, you know, kind of kind of that kind of class of guys? And the Hawks, are not in a, yeah. the, the Hawks are not in a position to go out and get a guy who's already at that level. What they have to do, in my mind, is identify the guys that are emerging. It can Javon Carter. You know, kind of be that type but of maybe, maybe it's uh maybe it's case and wallace in the draft now you can't maybe, rely on a rookie to do it right away but you know what i mean maybe not, it's that not, kind of guy in the right if, if you're gonna be a little patient and say it's gonna take some time for this new construct to come together then maybe maybe case is the way to go another important factor i think the nba the league teams have got to realize is and i've and only landed like on this in like maybe the last year year and a half taking guys that are that big 
And while you love the idea of them defending guards and being physical, you see other teams put big, big wings on trade all the time. Right. But doing that, that being your game in game out plan is horrible for that player. Uh, let's use a few examples. Kawhi Leonard. Right. Like when he was young in San Antonio, that was his primary role. Right. Right. How much time has he missed with injury? Danny Green. Right. It's taxing. Danny Green's a big, big guard. Right. How many, th- how much time has he missed with injury over the years? Marcus Smart. How much time is he in? And so taking – and I know Smart's not quite as big as Hunter and stuff like that, but he's pretty strong and he's really well put together. And I think the league has got to realize that – and I think this is one reason – I think the league, some of the league is catching up. This is one of the reasons you're seeing more switching is, is and, and less take these big wings and have them defend these guards like Dane is because it's just not realistic – from a body management as your plan A, as your plan A, like, it, it could be a wrinkle across the regular you know, season. And the playoffs, if you want to ask for that, in that sense, okay, fine, right? Or if hopefully you're playing a tray, yeah. Right. I mean, if if you're playing, if you're facing, if you're facing a specific opponent that has a, a player that is, you know, we'll use Trey as an example, is like truly elite offensively. Maybe that's your plan in that game, but like you can't go to in every single night thinking, okay, DeAndre, you're guarding the best guard in the other team that's it's a really tough ask for him to do which is again why they got to Jante. it just didn't work it didn't really work out that right. way and, and it's another reason why you look at the league and you say to yourself why are often the best defenders in that role backups like like dennis when he's a backup is really good pretty good at that, that. tj mcconnell yeah. if tj mcconnell played 34 minutes a night he'll be hurt all the and he's already hurt some <laughs> anyway Right. Yeah. And so the league has got to figure this out. Right. In, in, in that sense. And hopefully if you're going to do, even if you're going to get in the postseason and do that and make a deep run, hopefully you have two guys that can kind of share that physical workload. It is really hard. It is. It, it, I think it builds up the kinds of wear and tear that leads to soft tissue injuries and things like that. And so for me, like even with DeAndre, like trying to ride him as the guy who's going to defend the point guard every time you come up against an elite or quasi elite point guard, I don't know if that's the reason he's missed time now, but I think it probably is a part of it, you know, in, in, in that sense. And so in my mind, I like, let's get him back to defending wings. Let's value his ability to help from the three to the four down into the interior. Let's elevate that and make that really part of the defensive kind of persona that he brings to your lineup. But that further highlights the gap they have at defending other team's guards. That's not there right now. Uh, and that's got to be, in my mind, task number one as they rework the roster this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably said it a hundred times that that was, in my mind, their biggest issue as a roster and as a team this last season was the inability to stop anybody on the perimeter. That's not DeAndre Hunter's fault individually. I'll be very right. clear about that. It's not his fault. Um, he is that he has been their best perimeter defender, and he still is at this very moment. He's the best guy they have on the perimeter defensively. He's not a better defender than their centers. Like Clint and Yaka are better than he is defensively. Different yeah. different roles on that, but those guys are better. But like you go you go down the spectrum, um, you know, Trey, DeJounte, Sadiq, Bogey, AJ, none of them are better than, than DeAndre. And yeah, we talked about Jalen Johnson. I think Jalen's got tremendous defensive upside. He's still getting there. He's still figuring it out. And and, um, and he's a big guy. So and he, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a good point. We're <laughs> in full circle. Like he's he's even bigger. He's even bigger than DeAndre. Uh, right. So yeah, I think that uh, I just said at the beginning of this conversation. I don't think anybody's gonna be thrilled thrilled with the way we've discussed this. I think that DeAndre Hunter is a guy who could be very useful 
Uh, I don't think that he's going to be a star at any point. I think we can cross that off at this point. I do think that he can be a starter for you. I don't think that I think that he's probably better off being your fourth or fifth best fourth or fifth best player versus your top three best players. Um, I think crucially, he has not proven to be a top hundred player in the league, probably at this point. Now, could he be there still? Sure he can. But like uh, you know, I, I was I asked I was asked this question once and we, we have a full Collins uh, report to get to in the future. But people keep asking me for whatever reason, it's like, who's better? Who would you rather have DeAndre or John? And my answer is always John. And that, that's in a vacuum and context is important. And, you know, Collins didn't have a very good year this year and all that stuff. But like, you know, one of those guys has proven to be a really good player and that player is not DeAndre. Uh, so it's just interesting to me that the, the conversation, because I, I think maybe it's just uh, talking to my friend, talking to, talking to my friend Tower too much. I think people are too low on DeAndre Hunter now. I think, uh, but that doesn't mean he's great either. So like, I want to be very clear. Like I, I have a lot of reservations about DeAndre Hunter. I think that it through four years, it's not gone particularly well, but I, I think that he also is a guy who has a lot, a lot of use. Like you could do a lot of things with him. Um, and again, not to make it too simple, a guy who is six, eight, who can play defensively capably, who can make a jump shot. Like there's value in that player type almost no matter what. And yeah, I would tweak some things. We, we talked about that defensively on offense, more threes, less dribbling, <laughs> dribbling basically. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's still a guy, while I think the essence of our conversation is basically that he's not going to break out probably. I think that a little tweak, a little bit, a little tweak there. And he, he's still a very solid, like fifth starter type player. And there's value in that. Yeah. On a, a fifth starter on a good team. On a good team. Probably your, on offense, your fourth or fifth was the supported guy on defense. You're ideally your third, maybe third, like so your center and your guard defender. Like, like that's the concept that works for him. And for me, like the fan talk that's out there, I see it all the time. Like if someone, if a Hawks fan is like DeAndre sucks, right? I, I that that's not nuanced enough for me, right? Yeah. Um, if it's DeAndre holds them back, you got a great point there, right? Yeah, I, I can have that conversation for sure. Current, yeah. current role. Current roster construct, he absolutely holds them back at key times, yep. right? And so my encouragement to people here is like, it, you don't have to. You're a fan. You can talk about your team and your guy however, however you want to. I'm not really criticizing. But if we can and if you want to have a more nuanced conversation, let's let's maybe try to frame it in that way. That's a little bit more respectful to the positive things DeAndre offers um, while still acknowledging the limitations are what they are. Let's give up on like him taking a leap in these areas where he's – not even average, right? Stuff like that. But he can be a valuable guy on a good team, but he's the kind of guy who has enough limitations that role matters, roster construction matters in order for him to be maximized. And that's what he is. I will leave it right there. That's a good place to end it, I think. Uh, Glenn, thank you again for joining me for some uh, good old-fashioned DeAndre Hunter talk. Uh, Anything to plug at the end of the podcast? We have a few more of these installments left. As we're recording this, I think we have four more after this so we're almost there yeah i, I think this was the hardest one i think um, <laughs> agree there, there's, there's a power forward where it might be yeah like it's, this, it's this one or collins for sure <laughs> that are hard ones for sure uh but i look forward to those conversations but no like uh on twitter at willison is brooklyn eight talent 29 podcast with uh, our friend uh kevin chenard um he and i are due to probably record sometime this week he's been very patient with me with my my move and all that sort of stuff so but after you know a mid final series kind of recording is probably coming up there. So yeah, find, find us there and then follow all the great work piece through hoops. The player uh, season review capsules were great. The draft profiles are great. 
um, and uh, support those guys uh, over there. Absolutely. Uh, would echo all of that. As for everybody listening to the podcast, please subscribe to the show. Check out ATL 29. Check out Glenn's work. And we'll see you all next time.